killer bees. What about the murderous J's? We've got Joel, Jeremy, and Joe. That's three J's. Coming to you live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5. It's the Killer Bees and Murderous Jays. Aaron Rodgers has uh, posted on social media. He says that uh, the night is darkest before the dawn and I shall rise yet again. Aaron Rodgers, starting quarterback for the J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets in 2024 has been confirmed. He thinks he's Batman. Think, and he's also, I think, owed like $30 million. <laughs> like, and like you, I think, were the first to intimate the fact that he probably got some ownership stock in the Jets for did. redoing his deal. I think that he, I think it's coming. I, I so think it's he coming. is, and I don't disagree with you, but I, I never doubted the fact he was coming back. Um, yeah, I think. Now, his, his leg may not. I mean, you can do all the rehab in the world. At a certain point at that age, maybe... His body just isn't up for it anymore. But, yeah, his intention mentally is he's coming back. Battery Chuck's uh, taking uh, exception to to what I what I talked about in that last segment because that's what Battery Chuck does. Uh, so you're bashing Casario for not drafting depth. Then he drafts Henry To'o To'o in the fifth for depth. Look, it's a good pick. Looks like it's a really good pick. He's going to start on Sunday. Mike? Point of contention isn't that he drafted Henry To'o To'o. I've given, I actually gave credit if you were listening, Battery Chuck, which it doesn't sound like you were. I was giving credit to Nick Casario for drafting well late in drafts, fifth through seventh round. He's had some pretty big hits in his tenure as a Houston Texan general manager. The point of contention I have is that he gives away fifth, sixth, seventh round picks like Monday morning's trash. He lights them on fire. He trades them for quarterbacks that don't make it to camp. He trades them for a corner who gets cut before that week's game. He traded it for uh, Anthony Miller, the wide receiver from Memphis, from the Memphis Tigers, and he cuts them two weeks later. Holloman. Like, I think he was the corner at Green Bay. Like, I'm giving Casario credit for hitting on fifth through seventh round draft picks. I think it's a strength of his. He's drafting starters in those rounds. That's good. That's fantastic. If that is your strength, you want more of that. You don't want to light them on fire. That's the point. Did he give up one for Driscoll? Uh, Maybe. I don't remember. Well, Driscoll turned out to be a great backup quarterback. Better backup quarterback, better tight end. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Like, and then he says, "Plus, how do you draft for death when the roster is horrible?" By having a bunch of draft picks. What do you not understand? You're gonna make me bang my head into my battery, Chuck. Well, I mean, my goodness. And I still say the thing that depth can be built other ways too. But you also it's hard when you don't have cap space though. Like the only but you, you had it this year, but you didn't prior to that this year. No, this is the first year this you did. Year. Kinda like you did, but you had twenty five roster spots to fill. So like you had fifty million for twenty five roster spots. Did you really have cap? No, well, you. But the thing is, is you also knew not only was it a priority whether injuries happened or not, but you also knew there was an injury already there that could cost could hurt you dearly. Mm-hmm. And, and and you admitted yourself to the media that you knew about it in May. Well, where are we? Where are we not seeing? Someone else added to this to this offensive line that could bolster and help, whether it be immediately or somewhere down the road when you know this is coming. Yeah, look, I think that does come into play. This is the first year that, that Casario had cap space. I, I, I think the cap space this year was overrated because they didn't have that many players under contract, so it means you had to bring in a lot of players with the cap space that you did have, meaning you couldn't really spend a ton on one singular player. You had to spread the wealth. Prior to this year, he had no cap space. So the only way that you bring in cap the depth – is with draft, draft picks right, right. that he's literally giving away. And I'm just specifically talking about this year, 
because of the importance of the line that I already highlighted the reasons why. But the fact is, is that there's no general manager in any sport, in any professional sport, in any league, that if you know that you've got a player that's already dinged up or, or is about to break down, that you don't prepare for it. Yeah, battery, battery. So you want to you want the Texans to have twenty picks every season? No, no, I don't want them to burn fifth, sixth, seventh round draft picks on players that do not well, make the roster. You you wouldn't mind having all those picks if then you could turn them into quality players that add depth. So. Your, your point is the fact that regardless of how many picks that you have, that when you have all of your picks, you either draft a player at, at each of those in each of those rounds, or when you make a trade, the player that you get back is equal to or better than a player in that round that could add depth to your team. One five eight zero. What what late round pick has Nick even selected? Roy Lopez, who never played for two years, and then was cut. I mean, Roy Lopez played, played a lot of snaps in the NFL. That's good for a six rounder. Jarrett Patterson started at center the other day. He was a six rounder. Henry Toa Toa was drafted in the fifth round. He's now your starting linebacker for the Houston Texans. Uh, Damian Pierce fourth, so you can't include him. So like that's all I'm saying. Like Nick Casario's had some hits fifth, sixth, seventh round. Don't light those on fire. That's all I'm saying. Because Nick Casario, with those picks, can build depth. But he's lighting them on fire. That's why I'm annoyed with Nick Casario today. Uh, 713-780-ESPN. C.J. Stroud's being ranked and compared to his peers. As other starting quarterbacks around the NFL. I saw two sites today that did this. We knew it was coming. They do it every each and every week. Uh, the 33rd team on Twitter and at 33rd FB. They have C.J. Stroud as their 24th quarterback, which I think is pretty good for a rookie. Actually, I think it's really good. And you compare it to other rookies, he's the highest rookie. Stroud's 24th, Bryce Young 26th, Anthony Richardson's 27th. That's good. That's really that's really good for a rookie. You know who else he's ahead of? Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson's number 25 on the 33rd team ranking. C.J. Stroud, 24. I can't tell you how, like, I was annoyed at Casario. I saw this, I started feeling good again. Yeah, no, they, look, it's encouraging. Again, it's just one game. Uh, I was surprised that Richardson would be lower just because of the fact that Richardson put up some pretty pretty decent numbers. But at the same time, one game means nothing to me. This is like Stephen A. Smith's uh, top five teams in the NFL this morning to the same point that you're making about Deshaun Watson, but yet he had the Browns as his fourth highest rated team in all the league. I get it that they beat the Bengals. It's week one. Like You have to see more and have to believe if you're going to rank a team that high, then you better damn well know that you got a, a, a Everybody at every position can play, especially the most important position on the field. It's just week one, mm -hmm. but we've got, like we said, a scorecard of more weeks to, to, to grade and, and figure out. But I didn't think he was dead last. No, that's a win. Like, 24 means you're better than eight guys. You're the top rookie. You're ahead of Deshaun Watson. That That's a, that's three a victory. Right now, yeah. The three quarterbacks ahead of Stroud were Garoppolo, Fields, yeah, right, and uh, Brock Purdy, underrated, most underrated quarterback in the NFL. Well, Brock that's Purdy. where, like, I, I, I want to celebrate this list that C.J. Stroud is 24th. Uh-huh. But how do you have eyeballs and have him behind Justin Fields Pre preseason hoopla and Kenny Pickett. Oh yeah, Pickett twentieth. Oh, I didn't realize that. And Jordan Love, Daniel Jones seventeen. Jones is probably a little bit because of what he did last year. Pickett shouldn't be that high. Love was good. Love was good. Love was better than Stroud. Apparently, he didn't have to do anything this weekend. I think Love was he didn't like call a single audible the entire game. Did you well, take it out of his hands? That's how bad the Bears' defense was. Watching the all twenty-two, CJ was checking some out of some plays, which was very encouraging. Like, C.J. was checking the offense out of place. I was like, okay, C.J., I, I like that. Yeah, not checking out is what they, the, one of the bigger issues, too, that they had with Lance. 
He couldn't read defenses. Trey Lance couldn't read defenses, and he couldn't check out anything. C.J. Stroud can read a defense. Like there is times you could tell based on his pre-snap motion. That, okay, they're they're in a zone. Fake a play, fake a handoff on a play action pass. Comes up throwing immediately. Like Stroud, like eh, eh, he's high as two. I think he's high as two. I feel like C.J. got unfairly lumped into this Justin Fields conversation because he came from Ohio State. Like they ran Ryan Day ran totally different offenses. <laughs> with Justin Fields and C.J. Stroud. Like, they were 100% different. If Justin didn't have his first read, he ran, or he dumped it to his running back. That's still all he can do. Like, if you go back and watch Ohio State last year, C.J. would ha- would go through progressions across the field he didn't in college. Want to run. They didn't something want him that, to run. It's something that Justin could never do. So it's like, I just... He is a better quarterback than I think a lot of people gave him credit for in college, but he gets wrapped in this Ohio State thing mm. that's, like, unfair. I, I don't think it's unfair. I don't think it's unfair to to wrap him into the Ohio State thing. I agree with you that he and Fields very different quarterbacks, and as a coach, you're going to run different things with Fields, who's a better runner than he is a thrower. Stroud's a better thrower than he is a runner. I think that the I think that saying it's only Ohio State is a, is a bit lazy, but I think it's totally fair to criticize a quarterback who has four first round receivers, three first round offensive linemen, and an offense that's unstoppable. If he can carry that over to the NFL, that's a totally fair question. I guess. Well, when I say the Ohio State thing, it's more about that they all fail. Like not. Well, I, don't, I don't think people really were talking about. They do. Uh, yeah, because are you prepping him enough to how, be, be but, good on the next level, or are you just? Gone, but CJ is the only one that's gone in the top five. I mean, Fields was what seven, eight, twelve. Oh, was he that low? Well, no, ten. Okay, so he's still then, top ten pick. And Haskins went seven, but like I think we oh, all that knew, was going to say Haskins. We all That's knew three that. top ten picks. But like we knew Haskins was a mistake. Well, no, that was the one where Snyder decided to overrule everybody in football operations on draft day. How yeah. did we know Haskins was a mistake? I never thought he was that good at Ohio State, honestly. Okay, he was on his second or thirteenth. Haskins? Yeah. You're talking about in the NFL. Yeah. Not when he was drafted, though. Oh. Like, I mean, whenever you're making that take, you're talking about I'm, I'm him leaving college. I'm saying once he college. got to the league, we realized he, was on two he teams. wasn't that good. Yeah, he was on two teams. In college? No, in the NFL. Yeah. But, I mean, when he was drafted is when you made that take. Yeah. Like, if you're saying that it was a mistake to pick him then, that's because you don't think he's much as a college yeah, like, prospect. I, I thought Cardell Jones was better at Ohio State than Dwayne Haskins, and Cardell Jones went in, like, the fifth. And did he only play, like, four games, too? Yes. Like, but, like, that's, like, his first game was awesome. He came, out, he came out early. Yeah, because yeah. he knew he was going to get paid. And yep. He knew that if he stayed in school, he's probably going to get exposed yeah. and not get Him, paid. Him, JT Barrett. I mean, Haskins was the best of those three, but like none of them did anything in the NFL. Th- Miller did a heck of a job as a receiver, uh, buddy. Uh, one of Bill O'Brien's worst picks. Let's take a project in the third round. That was so dumb. Here was CBS Sports' uh, quarterback power rankings. Uh, we mentioned 33rd team had C.J. Stroud at 24, ahead of any rookie, ahead of Watson, Young, and then Anthony Richardson behind him. CBS had C.J. Stroud at 27. So not as high on him. And this probably has a lot of, uh, like Ryan Tannehill was 25th, and Ryan Tannehill was terrible on Sunday. Has Baker Mayfield 24, Tannehill 25, Sam Howell 26, then Stroud. They have Stroud ahead of Stroud Pickett, Bryce Young, Desmond Ritter, and Zach Wilson, and Joshua Dobbs. He had him behind Howell. Oh, God. Howell was terrible. Howell won, though. He is 1-0. Okay. And that's what's so hard. These lists are hard to figure out. It was Deshaun. He was terrible. Deshaun was... Terrible. He made one really bad throw. He wasn't like I didn't think he was terrible. He was not good. He didn't win the game for him. No, he, he was definitely he like didn't a game lose manager. the game for him. But he tried. The interception that he threw was the worst interception I saw all week. So Stroud twenty seven in CBS and Stroud twenty four on thirty third team. But the highest rookie on thirty third team. He wasn't the highest rookie on uh, CBS though. They had Anthony Richardson twenty two. I can't wait for Colts and Texans. We've given the Texans a lot of excuses this week. 
Like, hey, Baltimore, yay, you played well. Defense looked good. You're on the road. Good team. Like, cool. That's fine. I understand. Positive moral victories. Yay. That's fine when you're at Baltimore. Next Monday, uh uh-uh. You're playing Indy at home. You're going to be favored. You lose that game, kids' gloves off. You better win. Kids' gloves off from a team perspective. There's going to be so much game within the game to analyze there, and it's going to be fun. But, yeah, I really want to see those two guys and how each guy looks against you know the, a divisional. Opponent. I got yelled at yesterday for this, so just so you guys are aware, because I'm surprised, the line flipped. Colts are favored now? Now the Colts are minus one. I so think it's the, the injuries. So the oh, the Texans opened like minus one and a half. See, I don't look at the numbers until uh, yeah. Thursday. But like they opened up minus one and a half on Sunday, and then since then it's flipped. It's got to the be Colts. the injuries. It's got to be. It's the injuries. Especially I mean, now if you're saying that Petrie's probably not going to play. I, I'm guessing. Like, yeah. I mean, he's... I think they put the injury report out today, but they said he was sitting in a chair on the sideline in sweatpants and a jersey. Seems bad. Yeah, it doesn't would, seem I like would, he's I would think that you know when we talk about guys that mean a lot to you that you're not going to rush them back till they're 100, percent especially when an injury like that. I don't think they're I don't think they're rushing him back to play this yeah, week. Yeah, Bruce Long had to stay in a hospital overnight for observation. He's sitting in a chair at practice with sweatpants and a jersey. He's not playing. I think that's mandatory though that they have to stay overnight. Probably yeah. it makes sense. Remember when uh, Deshaun Watson with a what was it a. The bus to Jacksonville? Punctured lung? Yeah, I think it was a punctured lung, and he took the bus to Jacksonville to play in a football game. That was like the all-time, like... Moment for that was Deshaun the Royce Watson. White moment. Only it was a guy that was it, actually, yeah, don't, but, but it was like everyone loved Deshaun Watson. Deshaun, like he's like <laughs> he's so tough. He right. took a bus to Jacksonville. He's gonna play, and then he went per- full perv. Didn't you? Yeah. I think uh, there, are those. You I catch mean, yourself on that gesture. I think they're two different no. things. Like he's, I mean, obviously he's a tough football player. Like to play through their punctured lug with a flak jacket and take a bus to Jack. Like it's that's a tough. Like we're gonna bang on Deshaun, rightfully so. That Not one to use that term. Either. That one action. By Deshaun, that's sure. tough. That's no, tough. no, it was for that's, sure. That's I'm tough. just saying, like that's like that was like peak Deshaun Watson. I think for Texans fans, yeah. I mean, he was, was gonna, like he was, was going to so win you a Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. We win dealt with the bus and, and traveling to road games that didn't work out with Royce Waite, but we dealt with the bus and traveling to road game with with Deshaun, and it worked out just fine. Yeah, Royce White, Deshaun Watson, two guys I never thought we would say in the same nope, sentence. Nope, but there they are. <laughs> what in the world? Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Noah Brown. Uh, lands on the uh, short-term IR. Is it officially Tank Dell's season? Is this what's going to cure all of those people saying, this wide receiver room is terrible? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Mike Holley, U of H class of 1990. He's been protecting the interests of businesses for nearly 25 years. Used to protect the Heisman Trophy winner. Now he's protecting you and your business. HRP provides comprehensive human capital management services, including HR compliance, benefits administration, and payroll. HRP will work with you to customize a plan for whatever you need. There's nothing cookie cutter about HRP. You're not reading off a menu. If you need a little help, if you need a lot of help, anything in between, HRP will create a plan for what you and your business needs. Also, their customer service is second to none. Uh, there isn't a stranger on the other side of the line. You'll be calling someone that's familiar with you. They're familiar with your company. I can speak to that customer service anytime that I have a question. I always get a quick response that's easy to understand. Let HRP take on the demands of human resources and eliminate your HR burdens so you can get back to growing your business. Give them a call at 281-880-6525 and let HRP customize a plan for you. 281-880-6525 or check them out at hrp.net. That's hrp.net.
Welcome back to the Killer Bees Nuts. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Here's Joel Blank and that Jeremy Branham guy. Lamont asks us, how is Bryce ranked higher than uh, Anthony Richardson? Bryce was awful. Uh, Depends on which which of the two that you looked at, but uh, there's still, I mean, after week one, I bet you a lot of this is still reputation. Like, uh-huh. hey, you were the first pick, so we're going to grade you on a little bit more of a scale than if you were the third quarterback uh, taken in the first round. So I think that's what it comes down to. And then, like, Joe's point about Kenny Pickett. Like, how's Kenny Pickett ahead of anybody after that dog of a game in week one? It's like, oh, we, we thought highly of you coming into the first week. So, I mean, what, you're going to see a lot of moving parts with any sort of power rankings. And I don't even like looking at power rankings at all. But it's fun whenever you have a rookie quarterback and see where other people stack them up to the rest of the league. Team power rankings, not too kind to the Texans, though. They're like 31st in every single one that I saw. They're not changing many minds. No, but I mean, again, it was week one, and it was Baltimore, and there's a lot that you can erase real quickly if you can pick up the pieces and play well against the Colts. It's just that with the injuries, the offensive line, it's not getting any better. It's getting worse. I don't know. I have major concerns that no matter how, how much better I think the Texans are, that the defense better play their ass off and, and play it like they played against Lamar and contain Richardson from running, mm-hmm. and they got a chance. I, I, I'm bullish on this defense. I'm getting worried about the injuries. It's only week one. Like it's, You've only played one game. You're going into week two. And another thing that I'm – I don't know if I want to say worried. I'm paying attention to. I don't know if this offense is going to help out the defense. Like, I feel like this defense is going to be playing lots of plays, lots of snaps, because the offense is going to have trouble moving the ball, and that stuff starts to add up. Like You start getting you know, 70 snaps for a defense. Uh, you, you're on the field for 35 minutes in a game. That stuff starts to add up not only in that game, but week in, week out, and that's something that like if we're looking at end of season, where does this defense rank? I think that they have top 10 talent. Quite frankly, they're they're starting eleven now. Their depth's probably more right. top fifteen when you look at it overall. But because of what I anticipate, their offense not doing, not moving the ball. Uh, you know, the other defenses getting the offense off the field, punting, uh, not necessarily three and outs, but short drives. I feel like this offense is going to kind of hang this defense out to dry. Yeah, I think that there's it's the table is set for that, and I think that as much as we didn't, we weren't as critical of the offense in week one because of who they were playing against defensively with the Ravens and their history of being a good defensive football team and, and the players that they still have that we talked about. But then you start talking about any defense in the NFL, that's even if they're not one of the top 15 or the top 20, if you know that you're playing against this patchwork makeshift offensive line and you're mixing in rookies with you know journeymen and you're trying to to hold up for a guy that's trying to execute for the second game of his NFL career, and he really doesn't have a whole lot of weapons to choose from anyway. And if you don't do that, you're going to hand off the ball to your bell cow that's supposed to be your best offensive player, but that same offensive line isn't opening up any holes, no matter how many times he carried the ball was 11 last week, and you hope it's more. Well, you hope it's more because there's holes and he's getting and he's effective and you're in the ball game. But all that is predicated by the fact that this offensive line already no matter who they were playing, was all dinged up and was terrible, and I think got worse. Yeah, it should get better, though. Like, it, it should get better, the offensive line, because you're going to get juice back at some point. At some point, but not this week. No, 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 no. Like, But 
Even if you run out the same guys, I would expect those same guys to be better than they were last week. And then they say fans practicing. So like That's they're, they're going to start the same offensive line this week than they did last week. I didn't think that they were physically abused. I thought they stunk in like assignments. Like There was times when Baltimore sent four and you were getting one guy in untouched. Can't happen. Like they were missing assignments because they haven't played together. You know, some of that on the center. Like center calls out a lot of protections. Quarterback uh, calls out a lot of protections, and I thought that's where they were really bad. Missing assignments. You know, they're not putting a hat on one of four rushers and letting guys have free rushes. Like that's got to that's got to get better. And I anticipate that it will. Like it should be better in week two, week three than week one. And then you do have reinforcements on the way at some point uh, with Titus Howard, with Juice Scruggs. So the offense should improve Over the week course- in week out. Yeah, week in, week out, yes. But for this particular week to play the Colts? I think it should be better than last week. And I think that the Ravens' front seven is better than the Colts' front seven. Well, I, I agree with that. But mm-hmm. I'm just saying that But 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 this, as they're trying to learn on the job and get better on the job, you're still playing a defense that has some, some above-average NFL players on it that can wreak some havoc. And so I think that's already going to set the offense back yet again. Because he's still going to be he's, he's still going to be mobile. He's still not going to be able to do the things that they want him to do, even when it's as simple as get the ball out of your hands quickly. But by the time he's getting the ball and taking a step back at all, if he sees an edge or a guy getting through, like you said, one of the four, that's a problem. Yeah, yeah. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Like the offensive line this past week was probably three. Like that might be kind. Maybe it was more of a two. I think they'll be like let's just I'll say three. I think there'll be a four next week. Like I don't think it's a major jump, but I think they're going to be slightly better than they were this past I hope past they can week. run the football. Yeah. See, it was very clear. Like, I was annoyed by the amount of carries they got running the ball, but it's very clear, like re-watching it, they did not like the matchup of their offensive line against Baltimore's front seven. So it's like, if we do this, we feel like we're running into a brick wall. Let's try to get some stuff on the edges in space. And, like, I, I get it. I get it. I don't want to see that each and every week. I, week one, okay, I understand. I don't want to see that each and every week. And and D'Amico, to his credit, he said, we need to give Damian Pierce the ball more, and we will. So let's see if he's truthful. He also said Tank Dell's going to play more because Noah Damn Brown has landed on the IR. Is it Tank Dell season now for the Houston Texans? Now that, look, he's, he's being bumped up. Noah Brown on the IR. He's one of your top three receivers. Last week he played the fourth most snaps at the wide receiver position. He's going to be top three this week. Well, and he should be—he should be getting touches a lot more than he did. And you look at across the 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 field yet last week, and you look at a guy in Zay Flowers who I believe that Tank is very similar to in terms of the the position he can play in the offense, the role he can play with the ball in his hands. And, and you and I had the conversation off the air about maybe Zay's a little bit more physical and twitchy in some of his moves, but Tank could do a, a, a ton of the stuff that Zay Flowers does. And Tank could be effective when other things in your offense are, isn't. And if you get him in space, he can pick up yardage when you can't run the football between the tackles, when your offensive line is, is doing less than. You can get the ball in Tank's hands the same way the Ravens get the ball in a guy like Zay Flowers' hands, and you can have some success. I was frustrated that he didn't get the ball more. I was frustrated that they didn't use him more as a weapon. And I hope, whether there's injury or not, I hope that this is a chance for the, the offense and Slowick to actually utilize one of their best weapons on offense, no matter who's blocking and who else is in the game. Yeah, I, I really want this to be Tank Dell's season. Uh, I think he gets with the most separation of any of these receivers. There was separation there. Like I thought Robert Woods actually had a pretty good game. Uh, Noah Brown, Like I was trying to go back and see where he got hurt. There was one play where they threw him a screen and he got out of bounds like on the left sideline and ran into one of the uh, chain gang guys, kind of took him out. 
uh, which was uh, kind of scary. I felt like he might have gotten hurt there and then played through it, and then maybe it flared up. That's uh, total guess. But I'm excited to see Tank Dell on some of those screens. Some of the plays where Tank actually played and got some passes thrown his way, creating some space. I thought him and CJ had a really good like connection, especially man-to-man. Mm-hmm. So really excited to see how they uh, they use um, Tank Dell on Sunday. 713-780-ESPN. Let's go out to the HRMP listener line. Paul, you're in the high with the Killer Bees. What's up, Paul? Yeah, it's, uh, this Texans talk reminds me. Of, you know, coaching little league when you when you've always when you've got that really bad team and you just know you're going to get smoked unless all your guys have career days or you play one of the other really bad teams. It's just, ugh, it's depressing. Um, but I'm not a Texas fan, so it's kind of it's kind of humorous, I guess, in a uh, Schadenfreude kind of way. But uh, I wanted to run this theory by you. The first week of the NFL season was very low scoring, especially in the first half. My theory is that. These teams are hardly playing their their skill position guys at all in the first in the first three preseason games or in the three preseason games, and I think that's impacting scoring and offensive production because it, it seemed to me in most of the games at least the defenses were ahead of the offense. Uh, I, I, Paul, thanks for the call. I, I don't know who your team is, but I'd be interested to see if we could we could talk about them like a little league team too. But uh, when you talk about exactly what you just said. There's absolutely no doubt in my mind that that's true because I lived it with you know watching the Green Bay Packers sit all of their top positional players, their skill position players, and primarily their quarterback for the last thirty years. And week one they suck. And you know I've said this to the guys. I knew was that even last was last year against the Saints and, or and the week before and the and the year before they were going to get beat by fifteen twenty points. And the reason why is because. When they don't play, they don't have timing. They don't have you know everything about them to be ready to go for week one of the regular season. I think that's why so many upsets happen in week one every year, and we see really good teams throw, lose to really bad teams because of that as a factor as well. But I think that that's definite. There's something to that. Yeah, I do too. It's just I think defenses are ahead of offenses just in general, and then whenever you're not getting the reps in the preseason, you start behind the eight ball. And that's why I was very vocal about C.J. Stroud getting a lot of snaps in the preseason. Not because you know they can hit the ground running in week one, but because I don't think they're a playoff team. And if your entire goal of 2023 is to develop C.J. Stroud to the absolute best that you can, well, get him as many reps as you can, even if those come in preseason games. Like I think that he would have been... A little bit better in week one, playing more snaps in the preseason. Like, do you make them a little bit more susceptible to injury? Yeah, you do. But again, the season's about the growth of your young players, and I think it would have led to the growth of C.J. Stroud if he played more in the preseason. Same thing with these offenses. Like, yeah, it's, they're kind of like well-oiled machines. You get them a little reps, you get them some little oil in the engine. They're, they're gonna they're gonna move it better. I I agree with the take as well. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN, the H R and P listener line. Jose Altuve had a little one on one with uh, our very own sports map crew, our very own sports map staff in Hoffy. Does it bother you that the Astros and Jose Atuve have not talked in about an extension so far? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Before we go to the break, talks about my good friend Doc Linville and the Neograph procedure. Doc Linville does a lot of procedures. He's really good at what he does. But I think he's better than anybody else at the Neograph procedure because I personally had it done. And that's why I can speak from experience. The Neograph procedure is done when you have bald spots, thinning spots, and you're losing your hair and you don't think there's anything you can do about it. 
the neograft procedure can actually take care of it. And unlike the sprays and the creams and the foams that mask the problem, the neograft procedure actually takes your own hair where genetically you're never going to lose it. And I learned this. I didn't realize that no matter how bald guys get on your hairline or on top of your head, you're never going to lose the hair on the sides and the back of your head. Well, Doc knew that, explained it to me, and said that's what he does and how he does the neograft. He takes the follicles from where you're never going to lose them, and he puts them where you need them most, giving you more coverage area, giving you more confidence when you look in the mirror, knowing that you have hair where you didn't have hair previously, and you feel better about yourself, and you know that because it's taken from an area where it never leaves, once he puts it where it needs to go, it's going to stay there, and that's a big thing too. Check out the, the procedure and all the information at 975hair.com. Right there while you're checking it all out, if you think that's something that interests you, sign up for your first appointment. Because you listen to us and you go to 975hair.com, you can get a consultation with Doc Lindell and his staff for absolutely free. It normally costs 150 bucks. For you as a listener, you get to sit down, talk, ask questions, get answers, find out if it's right for you too. No money out of pocket, no obligation to commit to something else. You just go in and have a meeting and fire away with questions and get the answers you need to see if this procedure is right for you too. If you're watching on Twitch today, I got no hat on. Normally I'm running around and I'm racing around, I throw a hat on. Today I don't, and you can see I had it done. I can't stop talking about how great it is and how I I would recommend this to anybody because of the fact that it works and because it's real hair, it's yours, and it's going to stay there. Check it out today. Go to 975hair.com and tell them Joel sent you by. Razor Blunt Commentary, delivered with a special purpose. What's happening to my special purpose? It's the Killer Bees, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5. Let's give away some Houston and TCU tickets. We've been waiting for this for a long time. Big 12 football in Houston will clash with last year's national championship runner-up, TCU Horn Frogs, kickoff Saturday at 7. DJ James Kennedy pregame. It's time to fill up TDECU Stadium by a Cougar Paw package. It includes three games. You can select TCU as one of those three games. Package is only $66. It's less than $25 a ticket. Does not include the Texas game. Uh, get your tickets today by heading to uhcougars.com slash tickets or call 713-GO-COOGS. We're going to give this away to the first person that answers the trivia question correctly. U of H and TCU last played in 2007. Andy Dalton versus Case Keenum in that game. What stadium was that game played? U of H, TCU, last time they played was in 2007. First matchup since then. Andy Dalton, Case Keenum were the quarterbacks for their respective teams. What stadium was that game played in? 713-780-3776. Jose Altuve is... uh, He's promoing some tea, I think. It's why he's been making the media rounds with everybody. Uh, Sports Map had a little one-on-one with him, a little interview with him. And very, very in, a little bit of a conversation about Jose Altuve's career with the Houston Astros. Our very own Sports Map says, we know that that, uh, baseball is a business. Do you think you'll spend the rest of your career with the Astros? Jose Altuve, I always say that I love Houston and the people here. This is the only team I've played for. We have one more year. We'll see what happens. Have the Astros approached you about a new contract as sports map? Have you started talking to them? Jose Altuve? No. What do you make of those comments? I think it's honest. And I, I think that it's the nature of the beast at this point. I, I think that because he's not literally in the prime of his career, but I think that it's a special circumstance. I think that he's been here his whole career. I think that... 
you know, Dana Brown and, and Jim Crane, I'm sure know exactly where he is and where he stands. And the fact that I, I probably, I, I would think that they'll start those conversations this off season. I, I think they'll start. There's no need to do it now. I, I think the final year of a contract previous to the start of the final year of a contract is the best ch- time to sit down and have those conversations. Now, you can have dialogue in the offseason. You can have dialogue when the season ends. But I don't think there's any any rush to have it done right now. Yeah, I think this is much to do about nothing. I saw some people kind of freaking out about this. Now, let's keep in mind, Jose Altuve is a Boris guy. Uh, Jose Altuve's agent is Scott Boris. Uh, Jose Altuve's first ever contract with the Houston Astros is a sweetheart deal. The Astros got one over on him. It was the whole, I mean, it was the John Singleton contract. We'll give you a bunch of money. Like up front, we'll buy you out of your you know league minimum years, your rookie years. We'll buy you out of your arbitration years. We guarantee you money now. Give you a little bit of long term stuff. We buy you out of some free agent years as well. Jose Altuve won the MVP on that contract, so huge win for the Astros. Uh, whenever you look at it that way, the Astros did take care of him with a significant bump in salary after that year, after winning the World Series. The Astros have taken care of him. He is making a good amount of money. I do think that Jose Altuve is going to want a payday here. Now, I don't think you he's do? going to. Yeah, I do. I don't think he's going to leave. I don't think he's going to leave Houston. The, these comments don't concern me that there hasn't been a conversation yet because really you have one year left on the deal after this year. The conversations are this offseason. Like, we'll worry about that in the offseason prior to your final year. That's usually like when you're trying to get extensions done with players that you want to lock up going forward. So that doesn't bother me that they haven't talked about it. I think that's protocol. I think that's status quo, uh, to be to be completely honest. The whole like baseball is a business, uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, Jose Altuve's been doing media all day. Like he's gonna give you a canned answer. I do think that Jose Altuve is going to want to be paid as one of the top three second basemen in baseball, though, and rightfully so. He's, say, does he he's the best off. Yeah. yeah, he's the best offensive second baseman in the game. Uh, so I do think he's going to want to be paid appropriately, given where he's at amongst other players at his position in baseball. I, I also think, though, to the Boris point, that the one in this case more so than probably most of, if not all of Boris's clients or the majority of them. He's going to dictate the process. He's going to not look for every penny because I think winning means something to him too, and staying here yeah. in Houston means something to him too. So I don't think he, as much as you think he's going to get paid, I think that he deserves to get paid. But I don't think he's going to try and overly break the bank and be like the highest paid second baseman of all time or do you know one of the highest ten in baseball, or whatever. I think it's going to be kind of proportionate to. I also don't want to handcuff us from continuing to win because he's already said how much he loves Houston and how much he loves winning. Mm-hmm. But I, I think he's des- he deserves and he's earned the right to get paid again. It's just that I think that they will work in, in tandem on this, and I don't think it's going to be as contentious as some of Boris's no. meetings can be. The, Boris was not Altuve's agent on the first contract. He was on the second contract, but they got that one done before he ever came close to free agency, and I, I agree with you. Like Altuve's like, hey, I want to be here. Give me a fair contract, but I want to be here. Even if it means I take a little bit less, I want to be here. And I also think the other the other side of that's going to play here too. I think Crane wants Jose Altuve in Houston forever. I don't think Altuve is going to be doing like the whole Verlander, pay me more money than anybody else in baseball. So I, I think that this gets done. I'm not worried about that. Dre asks, uh, he says Altuve. Well, it's not really ask. It's, I guess it's a prediction. Altuve resigns for slightly less money, but Buzzkill, it means Alex Bregman will hit free agency. Cash it or trash it? Cash it. Yeah, I think so too. I think Breggy's definitely looking for. A bigger payday than maybe he deserves, but definitely than the Astros are probably going to be willing to give him with everybody else that they have on the docket to try and take care of too. And so I think one 
guy is more likely to to be a team a little more team friendly in, in Altuve, and the other guy is probably thinking, you know, he's very confident in himself regardless. But he's probably thinking, if you don't value me, I've already been there, done that in one World Series here. I'm going to see what I can get elsewhere. It doesn't mean I won't come back. But I think Bregman's definitely open to exploring the market. Right. Yeah, I'm curious to see what Bregman does. Like, I'm curious to see if Bregman does give you a, a you know team friendly contract because I mean he's been here his entire career too. You know, it seems like he really likes Houston. So I'm curious to see if Bregman gives you a team friendly deal. I don't feel that they'll the Astros they'll uh, they'll go like super high on Bregman. Now Bregman's been much better in the second half than the first half. Like I, we've really banged on late. Bregman, I've been I've banged on Bregman. Bregman's been really good since the All Star break. He so. has, but but Jeremy, the thing that I think about when I think about Alex Bregman is is one when, he, when we start here. Well, you know, you're looking at you know he wants to get paid. I, I don't think Altuve is ever going to want to t- test the market. I believe that he loves the legacy that he has here. He's talked about everything from the fact that he and his family can go places that people don't bother him, but they're polite, but they love him, the support that he's gotten, and that means something to him, all those things. And he's also at a point in his career where I, I think that he doesn't want to explore the market and see if he can get his value up. I think Bregman does. Bregman wants to use the market as a tool to try and get the value up to where maybe he, we all know he's not worth the Machado contract. But we, he believes with his defense, with the fact that his, his intangible stepping up in big moments – doing the things he's already done, he wants to basically prove the team wrong. If they make him a lower offer or they can't reach us to a he – would, he would want to be what Daryl Morey would say like a Clint Capella. Then go out and test the market and show me your value, and then we'll talk again. I think he'll use that as a tool to try and – a last-ditch effort maybe to get his value up. Bregman's also uh, represented by Scott Boris. So <laughs> Altuve, Bregman, both Boris guys, and they both have one year left on their deal. Uh, fifty thirty said Bregman's also really hated. Do you think that hated Maybe by Bregman? who? I don't know. Fifty thirty. Who's Bregman hated by? Maybe, Maybe other teams in the league. Good sauce. He ain't he ain't going to be hated in Houston. Yeah, fifty one eighty. Bregman's gone. He's never had a huge payday. I mean, he's making twenty eight million dollars a year. Like that's pretty pretty that's good pretty compared to where he's at in my third baseman. Uh, now. For both of them, it's probably their biggest final deal. Like, it's their biggest final deal. Like, uh, Jose Altuve will probably get a little bit, like, it depends on the length of this contract. But Altuve will probably get another contract. Bregman will probably get another contract, like, you know, when they're veterans, two-year deal, something like that. But this is their last big contract. Because Altuve's chasing numbers. So at the end of it, he might be a a year with an option or one or two or three years. Like a Brantley type of deal. Yeah, because he's chasing a lot of historical numbers, whereas Bregman right now is not where he's not chasing numbers. Except for what's going into his bank account. Fifty thirty says uh, everyone hates Bregman, but the Astros. That could be true, but I don't think owners and general managers are going to be like, "Yeah, let's stay away from Bregman if we can get him for fifteen million a year." Mike like, Trout and the guys aren't putting him in the fantasy league if they hate yeah, him. Exactly. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. Killer bees on ESPN ninety two five. Uh, the Willabits coming up next. We'll see what Joe has in store for us. Killer bees on ESPN ninety seven five and ESPN ninety two five. Something that you need to do on Saturday is head to this Houston and TCU game. It's the first game of the Big 12 for the University of Houston. Great atmosphere for the season opener against UTSA. Let's replicate it. Let's do it again this Saturday against TCU in the Big 12 home opener against last year's national championship runner-up, the TCU Horn Frogs. Saturday, September 16th, 7 p.m., buy a Cougar Paw package. It includes three games. You can select TCU 
use one of those three games. Package is only 66 bucks. That's less than $25 a game. Does not include the Texas game. Get your tickets today. 713-GO-COUGS, uhcougars.com slash tickets. Come early. Enjoy all the new activities in Cougar Alley in front of TD ECU Stadium, including the huge LED TV screen, the Bud Light Backyard, the Coke Fan Zone, food trucks, and more, and DJ James Kennedy before the game as well. Spirit of Houston at halftime. Entertainment by the cheerleaders, Cougar Dolls, Shasta, Sasha, and DJ Yobi Obes in the student section during the game. Get your tickets now. 713-GO-COUGS or head over to uhcougars.com slash tickets. Don't miss all the fun and pageantry of college football. Come early, be loud, and wear red. It's time to sit back, relax, and enjoy this next bit of brilliance with Joel and Jeremy. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, it's the Killer Bees. You know what that music means? It means that uh, Hunter Brown, who has not been good lately, is on the mound tonight for the Houston Astros. A 10 and 11 with a 478 ERA for Hunter Brown. He goes up against Paul Blackburn, who's 4 and 4 with a 388 ERA. Blackburn better ERA than Hunter Brown. Some of the peripherals like Hunter Brown a little bit more. Hunter Brown's last uh, few starts here. Most recently, against San Diego Padres. Gave up six runs in four and a third. Start ahead of that against the Yankees. Gave up five runs, three earned over four. Last decent start was Detroit, two runs over five. Prior to that, six spot in two and two-thirds against Seattle. Show me. What's your confidence? Better Brown show can me. Turn it around. Better start showing me some improvements because when we start talking about the rotation, no matter how highly he was touted to start the year, it's how you finish that counts. He ain't finishing like a starter hey, in the it's, playoffs. It's quality start tonight, or the song is gone. Hunter, I'm fine with that. Done. It's no. time for a change. Oh, Joe, laying down the law. I was just it's, we talked about it with JP France, we, or it was no, it was Javier. We did it with Javier why, first. Why haven't we? Well, because Javier, when we set when we did it last, because his song's a banger. That's why he he had the quality start. I think it was. No, I don't no, think it wasn't because so. he hasn't had one of those in like <laughs> yeah, six so. months. I don't think that was it. Uh, Astros lineup, which a lot of people hate: Jose Altuve at second, Pena at short, Jordan in left, middle three, Bregman at third, Tucker in right, Brantley DHs, bottom three. Yiner catches. John Singleton plays first base, and Jake Myers plays center field. No, no, Chad. I'm one of those people. No Jose Abreu. I hate it. Dusty says you need a pit stop whenever you're in the stretch drive. The Astros have an off day tomorrow. 713-780-3776. Let's go out to the HRMP listener line. Keith wants to talk some Astros. You're in the hive, Keith. What's up? Hey, guys. Always a pleasure having me on. JB, guys. <laughs> Slow down, uh, Keith. Quick, quick, quick Astros question. Um, better percentage, better chances next season is Dusty Baker, the manager of the Astros, or is Madison Bumgarner? Back on a big league roster. Thanks, guys. Keith has the worst questions. Yeah, and, and he pumps himself up, and then he comes with that? I kind of like that part of it. But he has the worst questions. Like, Keith, I think like he I think he does the Carson Wentz thing. Like, well, who's signing Carson Wentz? He's been, he's been adding me on Twitter saying the Texans need to sign Julio Jones. Keith lives in a world from, like, five years ago. Or that people never age. There's a better chance that Dusty Baker's the manager of the Astros than yeah. Madison Bumgarner pitching in baseball. Uh, uh, now, wait a minute, though. I do need to remind you that as absolutely pathetic 
mm-hmm. Dallas Keuchel's been over the last couple of years. He found his way onto a major league roster this year. He started today. Have you heard of Madison Bumgarner having any interest in pitching again? Maybe in a year's time, or maybe in an offseason's mm, time. I, I don't see it. I think Madison Bumgarner has made his money. I think he's going to go ride his ATV and shoot deer and go to a bunch of fishing. And a bunch of farming stuff. He likes all yeah, He's. I, I don't. I don't think we're, Madison Bumgarner has any interest in ever pitching again. I would, I would agree with that. So I would say, unfortunately here, Dusty Baker, manager of the Astros, better chance than Madison Bumgarner picking one. up a baseball, for Joe. quite frankly. Yeah. All so right. you want to bring that to Mexican Congress and see if they want to debate it? Definitely. Okay. Do you know Spanish? No. What's the most Spanish that you know? What are a couple words in Spanish that you Hola. know? Hola. That's it? Hola? Pretty much, man. I you know you adios. I had to bribe my college professor to give me a D so I could not take Spanish over Which again. Which is gracias? I pretended, uh, yeah, I guess I know those, yeah. I, I brain farted. I pretended I was a gringo in college Spanish so they wouldn't grade me on a curve that I kind of knew Spanish. I didn't know Spanish at all. Like, I didn't take it in high school. And then I got to college for their intro to Spanish class, and the professor only spoke Spanish. And I was like, guys, like, what, what am I supposed to do here? Yeah. Like, how, how am I supposed to learn any of this? Tough. Use your phone with an interpreter? I mean, I don't even know if phones did that back then. I don't know either, but I I'm thought I'd the, throw it out like, there. I don't know if they did that in 2010. Yeah, maybe the, maybe the internet could. Maybe the Google could. That's true. All right, Will of Bits. It's the Wheel of Bits on the Killer Bees. Kibbles and bits, kibbles and bits. I'm going to get me some kibbles and bits. Who knows the bits the bees will begrudgingly bite? Well, let's find out. That's it or not. Here's Joel and Jeremy. And Joe. <laughs> Bet it or not. Oh, okay. I didn't hear what he said. The Astros are a minus 278 favorite tonight. Yeah. Would you bet on them to win? No. I wouldn't either. I don't like the odds here. I I mean, you're, you're not getting any value. No, like you're not value. getting any value. Hunter Brown's been lousy. The A's have taken your lunch the They've last couple owned of you days. For the last two days. There's there's no value here. What's uh, so you said it was minus two thirty five? Two seventy eight. That's even worse. What are the A's? Plus two twenty five. I think that's the play. <laughs> uh, over under nine runs. Would you bet that? I would bet the over tonight. Yeah, I mean the batter's eye though. Batter's eye's been having a good couple of games. Yeah, but good over nine. It's not a lefty tonight. It's true. I'm going to go under nine. I'm going to go over the nine. The offense has looked terrible. And by, by the way, I need to remind you who the last two hitters are in the Astros lineup. It sounds like a coffee bet to me. I'll take the over you get nine. The bit, you get the juice That's out fine. of this. I'll do that. Over nine versus under nine. Yeah, I'll go, go under nine. Me coffee versus Joel coffee. But yeah. I get the first coffee that anybody gets. I'll I'll if coffee I lose, I'll, I'll bring you a coffee on Friday. Joe owes okay. it to you, not me. Yeah, I'll bring you a You're coffee not get the first Friday. coffee from me. I said I don't. I don't even know who owes me at this point. Joe. I don't either. <laughs> I don't even. That know was who like owes me six months point. ago. It feels like. So the play. So you said Oakland was how much? Plus two twenty five. That's the play there. I like the over. I do like the over more than the under. But if you had to pick one side of it, I mean, the Astros get swept by the A's at least once a year over the last two years. If they lose tonight, you'd make a lot of money if you just bet the A's the last three years. Could you imagine if you let it ride with the A's the last three games? Because they were probably plus two fifty the last two games. Yeah, they were. Right, they were, they were well over two hundred. Let last it three ride games. plus two fifty, plus two fifty, plus two fifty. You put a hundred dollars in the opener, get it up to two fifty. Bet another plus two fifty. So what is that probably six hundred ish? Yep. Bet another two whatever it is today. Like you're close to a G. I just I can't I Oakland couldn't let single it, A's making people money. I, I couldn't let it ride on the A's. Like I'd have to I'd have to bail after the first two games. I'd let it ride, man. The heart, man. But then again, I didn't. I, 
My heart wouldn't let me bet on the A's. I'm not. The only time I would bet against the Astros, sometimes like these, like these are the moments where I would be willing to because it's like it's such good odds. But if it's you know a minus one fifty versus plus one fifty, like I'm not touching those games. I only want to baseball so big dogs. To, I, I just would never bet on baseball. I hate betting on baseball. I'm so bad at it. Football, fine. Basketball, yes. I mean, if I when I wasn't working in the NBA, but you, baseball is just a crapshoot. So is regular season NBA though. Like, good luck. With the resting players, and the, they're trying to do something about that now. But even not. Even not. like That's just, true, too, because look how many times the Rockets with, like, a, a less-than lineup of most yeah. of their guys out either stay in the ballgame to the end or, or get beat by, like, a, a bucket. And now the over-unders are so high in the NBA. Like, they the over always looks way too intimidating, and it hits a lot of times. But the, the, they set the bar so like high. 220, 230. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm not going to bet on a game when the over-under is 230. I don't touch regular season basketball. I don't touch regular season baseball. I'll I'll do futures, but I won't play regular season MLB, regular season NBA at all. Yeah, last time I bet on a, Agreed. a baseball game was when we were in Vegas, yeah. and I did Astros first five, and they were losing 11 to Same. nothing. Now, I'll, be, I'll do the futures. Futures stuff, I'll, I'll be all over, but not regular season. That's that's too many games, and they, they don't care half the time. Like, that, that's the biggest part. Yeah. All right, does it for us. I'll be out tomorrow. Usual suspect tomorrow? Yes. All right, Barry in for me with Blankers tomorrow. Joe, what are you talking about next? Uh, we're going to talk about the Astros and how they're going to win the World Series, and I'm going to yell at the middle of the order. Okay, that sounds good. Thanks to Joe for all his hard work. He's Blankers. I'm Branham. He'll talk to you tomorrow. Skiller Bees on ESPN.